When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up and welcome to an episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're listening to episode 191. I am your host, Greg. I am here tonight with Ryan and Tyler, but Hi. also with Daniela Bruce, fresh off of Prospect Tournament and sliding her way right into training camp. Uh, how are you doing tonight, Daniela? I'm a little tired, but in a good way. It's been a fun week here in Traverse City, and now we're getting ready. All the guys are trickling in. The golf outing was today, so the wings are all up here, and we're excited. Hockey season's starting. Do you golf? Do I golf? That's Do you attempt question. to golf? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't embarrass myself at an outing like this, let's put it that way. But I did set a goal. I set it earlier this year that by next year, I'm going to be good enough to, to go out in this outing. Okay. Is it, is it pretty I, intense? With the outing they have, they I've never actually golfed in it or but I or been out in it, but I think so. so I just don't want you know like I can't go out there and be terrible. That's a, that's <laughs> a, such true. a bad impression. They'll never live it down. Yeah. <laughs> I saw pictures on Twitter of was it Lucas Raymond out there with a hockey stick? Yeah, you know they're. I feel like I'd be on par with some of the, <laughs> pun, pun intended there um, with some of the players because they don't all golf all the time. Right. I don't know. Well, we'll see next year. Next year, guys, I'll, I'll let you know, though. Yeah. I am a good putter. I'm a good putter. I can confirm this. I played in an outing like scramble using all my putts. Nice. Sink see, putts. That's, that's the hardest part right there. Right. <laughs> I feel like any like watching them do things, the hockey players, I feel like any sport they try and pick up, they're just good at it. Like you see them all playing soccer out there. You see them all golfing. I'm pretty sure they pick up a baseball bat. They can hit a ball. So yep. it's just across <laughs> cross sports athletes. Um, but what we want to get to tonight, we got a little bit. Steve Eiserman had a press conference today. So, of course, we're going to talk about that. It was rather lengthy. Deal. There were a lot of questions, a lot of really good answers and insight into the season. But like we had said off the top, the prospect tournament has wrapped up. The Red Wings won two out of three games. They looked good. There was some fight. Like they say now, uh, they got the dog in them. There was some fights. And it was uh, it was a good showing by a few surprise players. And I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe a contract for Grand Rapids or two come out of it. Um, but overall, what was your just your whole take on the prospect tournament overall? I mean, I've been to it. It's a great experience. But what was it like this season? Yeah, I always love the prospect tournament. There was some high-end talent on every team that came this year. Like 
the top line for Columbus, Kent Johnson was centering that one. So that was fun to watch too. And, you know, Dallas was really good. And you mentioned that the Red Wings won two out of three games. They lost to Dallas and that game was like a seesaw back and forth and it just didn't end in the Red Wings favor. So they were right in that one. They had some fight coming back in that one, dogging on in that game, like, like you said. Um, But yeah, I think the talent was great. And I think the Red Wings had a really good showing winning two of three playing well in each of those games. And, I think, like you said, there were some surprises and there were some people that we or some players that we expected to play really well. Like I know we said that Cross Hannis was going to have to bring the offense because we didn't quite know who was going to bring the offense in this tournament. And he did that. He had four points in -hmm. three games and he was all over. He looked great on the power play. He looked great on the penalty kill. And he was involved in seemingly every chance. Most of the time he was out there making something happen. So it was really good. And I think everybody that was supposed to play well played well. There was nobody that... You know, like last year we were saying Sebastian Cosa, that's a great example. Everyone was a little disappointed with how he played last year. This year he came out and showed us what he can do. He had a great Mm -hmm. tournament. He played half of two games, so a total of one game really, and only gave up a goal. He was awesome. Yeah, he played the most out of all goalies, 60 minutes and 16 seconds. Uh, And yeah, like you said, I mean, he was sharp. You could tell he was more fluid. He had apparently worked with the Red Wings goaltending staff over the summer and really refined his game and redeveloped himself and locked down the issues that he needed to lock down. I didn't see many shots trying to go high glove side, which seemed to be his weakness recently. Um, but that's something that should be easy for him to fix. And, and he's got time to do it, as evident by what Iserman said about him today, which we'll get into later. Uh, I think my standouts, Riley Piercy, for sure. Um, he had five points in three games, uh, five goals, no assists, and and a four goal game. And it was just going into it. You see all these names, these undrafted free agents, and, and you don't really go in expecting a whole ton. I would not be surprised to see him get a contract, at least from Grand Rapids, because of just his his style of play, how hard he was out there getting in fights, scoring goals, finding the open ice. And he just overall, I mean, he was my surprise coming out of it. Yeah, he works really hard, too. The things that you don't always see find the score sheet. He does all of those things really well. And I think, obviously, the Red Wings like that. The organization likes that. So you're right. If he has a good camp, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Grand Rapids offer him a contract. The other guy that I feel like we need to point out who was a free agent invitee was Jeremy Biakabatuka. Yep, he's my other one. Yeah, had an excellent tournament. And he was a late addition. I picked up the roster on the first day of the tournament. And I was like, wait, who is this? Where, where did he come from? He wasn't on the roster two days ago. He was a late addition. And he said it was because there were some injuries to the lineup for the Red Wings. So he ended up getting the call to come to camp and he was great. I loved him on the blue line. He has the size, he has the agility, he plays smart. I, I really like him. So I hope he gets offered a contract. Yeah. He, he wasn't afraid to use his body out there. No. And it helped him set up plays and transition out of the D, mm-hmm. D zone, which obviously in, going back to like Ben Simon or what his feedback, like the guys gelled in a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect mm-hmm. for how short of a time frame they had together. And he kept kind of drive that from the back end quite a bit. And that was a, a very nice surprise. Like you mentioned. Yeah. And again, we're going to have to see how things go when you mix in with the pros, right? Like we're, yeah. we're talking prospect tournament. So we're going to have to see for both of those players, how things mix up in training camp. And if they get the opportunity in preseason, how it happens there, there's a few players that I think, a lot rides on preseason and that's true in most years. Right. But I think the Red Wings have a few players where there's even more so this year. So what really I was looking for to coming out of this was how would Kirill Tuchayev bounce back 
from his injury, only being able to play nine games last season. And he ended with four points. And after hearing a lot of the kind of discourse about him, it was a lot of he's got that Russian motor to him. He never wants to stop. I was listening to uh, Red and White Authority yesterday, the new episode with Ben Simon, where Art was talking to him about Kirill. And he says, Krill's that guy who never wants to leave the ice, who always wants to keep going on to that next thing, who you have to tell him like, hey, we can work on that tomorrow. Go home. And in last season, and it was last prospect camp, too, where he just he lit it up and he looked really good. And we kind of thought, hey, how's he going to come back from that uh, shoulder surgery? And it looks like he had no issue at all, Uh, was right in, was in every play, was going to the corners, was finding open ice. And he looked really good, too. Yeah, I think you nailed it with the fact just seeing how he bounces back, right? Because that shoulder surgery, it's major. It's a major surgery and only playing nine games last year. He did spend, so it wasn't, it was after prospect tournament last year, or no, before prospect tournament last year, he spent that whole summer in Detroit learning everything and and training here and all that. So I think that helped him in the long run too. And then he was here last year as well. So he learned a lot on the ice, but he also learned, like he speaks English a lot better now. Like he learned so many different things. I feel like his confidence level is probably up there too, which helps, but he needs some AHL experience. Obviously that's going to be huge for him this year. We talk about over and over the AHL is a tough league to play in it. You learn a lot from it and just having nine games. It's not a lot of hockey. So for him, I think the key is just playing more and we'll see how that goes throughout the season. Yeah. He, he was fun to watch and what little I was able to get of yeah. the games, those three games, but it seemed like whenever he got the puck, especially in the neutral zone, he was creating a scoring chance. It, it, the yeah. way he could flip play because of his speed and his aggressiveness was very impressive. Mm-hmm. And it kind of carried over from last year, what we saw to Greg's point. Like he is a smart player with the puck and without it. And it showed again, these, these, these couple games, I thought. Yeah. He definitely plays with this certain energy to his game that yeah. it's hard to describe unless you watch him play. Yeah, I think the thing, too, is like if he hits, if he even plays one NHL game for a seventh round, 190 overall, I mean, those are the kind of guys you you dream of hitting on. And just if he and he looks if he keeps developing the way he could develop, I mean, he could be a solid bottom six guy, a really tough role player. Uh, The way I was looking at it is it's maybe the same kind of role that a Luke Glendening would have had. And maybe not the face-offs because he's a wing and not a center, but the same kind of role player, that gritty, hardworking, nose-to-the-ground kind of guy who is going to go in there and do what he needs to do to help the team. And it seems like he has that same kind of attitude. And I think it also goes with the Iserman looking at guys who are um, committed to the team, committed to the game, who have the work ethic to go out and, and do what they need to do to make it. And he seems like that kind of guy, which is great. I was just going to say, I feel like they, they need to hit on on a seventh round pick or like a sixth round pick or something like that, just to kind of fill out the roster going forward. Like maybe not right this second. I think the roster is pretty, pretty good right now. But like going forward, you're going to lose players because of cap situations or whatever. Cheaper options, guys like this are certainly going to help. Yeah, well, the good news, too, is depth. We talked about yep. that today as well. Just it's something we haven't had before. So having those options, injuries happen. We know that it's a long NHL season. So just having the depth. So when someone does get pulled up for Grand Rapids, maybe Tutaya plays a bigger role there, or maybe he plays so well that he gets a chance in the NHL, you know, whatever that might be. But just having the option is really nice. It's something that the Red Wings haven't really had with the past few seasons. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, like, was touched on who does get a contract out of this that was brought Mm -hmm. in as the invite. And then how 
with not only that, but the guys that have been here already, what type of impact they can make. Like Dutayev, like, is he going to be a top six guy in Grand Rapids or are they going to shelter him for a bit to let him get his, get himself settled and make sure he's not going to take the wrong hit again or something crazy happens to make sure that he gets his bearings coming back into Grand Rapids because it's going to be such a change going for him again. But it's exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, the other guy and one that's hard to miss, Elmer Soderblom. <laughs> I mean, it, some of the stuff he does out there and just you look at him and you go, you're a very large man. Um, I was going to ask you how strained your neck is from talking to him um, over this past week. But uh, I saw the the coffee with Carly where she talked to Elmer Soderblom. He's got a great story. His whole family's a bunch of athletes. And looking at him on the ice, you wonder how a guy that big moves as well as he does, has hands as good as he does. And everyone was going in saying, Elber Soderblom is this, this great goal scorer. His playmaking was phenomenal. He blew me away with his playmaking. And it's a guy, again, a late round pick that is going to, he will play NHL games, absolutely will play NHL games. And when we talked about him last time, I said he could be a star player, not in the fact that he's going to go out and put up all these points and just be amazing, but to do what he can do with with what he is, that's going to make him a, a star in the city because of just the kind of enigma of Elmer Soderblom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned that he was his playmaking was great and he had a goal and three assists on the tournament. But you're right. He set up so many plays, so many scoring opportunities, learning how to use that body. As you mentioned, I talked to Ben Simon after one of the games over the weekend, and he said that when Elmer's moving his feet, he's dangerous because once he starts moving, he's really good. And somebody with that size, he's bigger than everybody. He knows how to use his body. He's learning how to be big in front of the net. So all of those things create a great hockey player, right? And just refining those skills is what he needs to do. And hopefully that that happens sooner rather than later for our sake. We want to watch him in the NHL, right? But he's another one that's going to be really interesting to see how he matches up with NHL caliber players come the preseason. I'm interested to see where he stands when he's matched up with that level of competition. Yeah, it's gonna see. It's gonna be interesting to see how the SHL is gonna transfer over for a Soderblom, Edmondson, and a couple Edmonton, of those guys yeah. that have had some professional time, if you will. And I, I'm hoping. And going back to Ben Simon, listen to him after the last game. Like he, what doesn't want to say that they necessarily have an edge, but they have an understanding of what it takes to play with those types of guys mm-hmm. with experience, with that size, and, and what have you. So seeing how that translates, because I mean, the assumption and the safe assumption, he's going to be in Grand Rapids with guys that are going to be going after him because he's the big guy on campus, quote unquote, because how freaking tall he is. So how he can handle himself in just those short preseason games against, like you said, NHL level talent, and then how that translates even further to the AHL. Like he, he is the one I think I'm most intrigued by because he's 21 years old. He's huge six eight now six but eight like 225 is he got is he taller his cat friendly's got him at six six. <laughs> oh, i think he's, he's six, six eight, eight now yeah he's yeah. Six, six eight, eight. now okay. um, he is six eight definitely wow. it was funny because i mentioned that um curtis douglas who was a toronto maple leaf prospect is six nine and <laughs> when we played them i started talking about it i'm like how is it possible that somebody has a prospect <laughs> bigger than elmer and this isn't fair it feels like they just brought him here because of that but um no it's it's exciting and the one thing about these guys too when you mentioned the game from sweden translating over to the nhl 
you have to think of it this way too. And this is no knock on the guys that play in the prospect tournament, because I really do think it's a quality level of hockey. It's competitive. These guys are trying to earn spots on their respective rosters, but sometimes these really talented players playing with other really talented players, even if those guys are at the NHL level already, it can help that it, like they'll be better in that situation. Yeah. So what I'm saying mm-hmm. is you, you get Simon Edvinson paired with Mo Sider in a preseason game. Like we could see a whole different Simon Edvinson, right. Yeah. And oh, same yeah. goes for any of the players. So it's just, it's interesting on both sides to see how they match up against other teams and see how they pair with the guys that they're going to be playing with eventually in Detroit. Yeah. I think the thing with Edvinson and that's kind of the, I, unless there's another sleeper from the tournament you have Edvinson mm-hmm. was, he to me played very well. He mm-hmm. he showed a lot of Mo Sider in that he's got calm with the puck. He doesn't mm-hmm. panic. He's very poised. He was very good running the power play, mm-hmm. and he just showed a professional level of game. And it showed that he played in the SHL and that he's done this before. And people were kind of knocking him, basically saying, "Well, I did, I watched him and didn't notice much." And that's a good thing generally with defensemen is if you're not noticing them, they're doing their job. And he I my thought on it is that guys like Edmondson, they have a contract already. They're going to be playing in North America. They're going to warm up in the prospect tournament. They're going to try not to hurt themselves. They really need to show what they have in training camp and they really need to show what they have in preseason. Steve Eisman even said he was impressed with what Edmondson did in the prospect tournament. Saw a lot of good stuff there. He'll see what he's got in preseason. And like Mm -hmm. you said, pair him with a Mo Sider. Pair him with a Philip Ronick at that professional level in preseason and see if he elevates his game at that yeah. time. So I was impressed with what Edmondson did. He ended the tournament with two points in three games and a plus one. And I mean, he he looked like he had done it before. And I think that was the the impressive thing. He knew what to do and when to do it. Well, I think you nailed it with people. I don't know what they wanted out of him for him to jump on the score sheet and like put up a million points in the prospects tournament, but he's a plus one over three games. He added a couple of assists. He played steady defense, which is great. That's exactly what you want from a guy like him. And I think the discussion of was he good, was he bad, should be put to bed by the fact that Steve Eiserman said, you know, I'm I very encouraged what I saw from him. And he said, there's a good chance that he could make the roster. Obviously Simon has to go out and do that himself during training camp and preseason, but that's obvious. But so far they think he has a really good chance of making it. And the one thing I did want to mention too, like we're talking about the, the pairings, like if you put him with a most cider or Philip Peronic, I kind of think if he did make the team, it would be like a most cider Ben Sherratt maybe. And then yep, maybe yeah. like a, a, an Edvinson only Mata get the, the rough, tough stay at home defenseman along with a Mo Sider or Simon Edvinson. So however they do it, it's going to be really interesting to see in preseason because obviously we're going to get some mixes and matches in there with the amount of players that are playing and who's active on what night, but I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think everyone should be really excited about Simon Edvinson and the people who aren't, you know what, if he starts in the AHL, I've been saying it all week. It long. doesn't matter. It doesn't Yeah. Yep. That's not a bad thing at all. <laughs> people forget most cider started in the AHL. Yeah, I mean, you almost forget about it because the whole COVID year happened Mm -hmm. where he played some in the AHL and then they were like, well, he's going to go to Sweden and play on loan because the AHL isn't going to play. So, yeah, he had that full year in 2019 Mm -hmm. and it's it's a tough league. It's a really hard league to play in. It's a good league to start and learn the North American ice and all of that. So we'll see. Again, it's just not a bad thing. I feel like for some reason. People use it as a, a negative thing when they say Simon Edmondson needs to start in the AHL. It's like, 
Okay, that's fine. Great. Right. Yeah. yeah. Here's yeah, my here's my question <laughs> to people though. Would they rather have him start in the AHL and then come up when he's ready or have him rush to the NHL and burn that entry level contract, first year of the entry level contract, and then you gotta pay him and he, you know, you could ruin him. And I'm not saying that that's likely, mm-hmm. but I mean it's possible. Well, they're well, good at this. The, the yeah. organization's good at this. They they are they're very good in the past at making decisions that are going to help the players develop. And they don't play in the NHL until they're ready. And I have full faith that that's going to happen with Simon Edvinson. The one thing that gives him an edge heading into training camp is the fact that Jake Wallman's going to be out till mid November. You know, like that that's that's a chance for him to slide in there. Mark Pesek obviously won't be back until January, so there's another chance for him to slide in there. I feel like he's going to get the chance right off the bat and we'll see how it goes. And maybe he does go back to Grand Rapids. Maybe he starts there. I don't know. Either way, I know the Red Wings are going to develop him well and he's going to be a really good NHL at some point. Yeah. And we talk about um, we talk about Mo Sider getting that year in the AHL. But then we also can talk about Mo Sider then going to the SHL and playing for another season. Mm-hmm. So Sider was two years removed. Edvinson is 19 years old, one year removed from his draft. And trying to just rush him in, just to rush him in, like you said, if he's ready, he'll play. And Iserman yeah. will know that he's ready. And it's, it was the same thing with Lucas Raymond. No one thought Lucas Raymond was going to make the roster initially. I'd given him like an 80% chance. He yeah. blew the doors down in preseason, and then there was a spot. There was an opening, mm-hmm. and he came in and he took it and made it his own. Edvinson has the opportunity to do the exact same thing. Yeah, I think so too. I'll be intrigued with Evanson. I thought his skating is what impressed me the most in this prospect tournament. If he can weaponize that in the preseason, I think it's going to all but solidify him getting a a roster spot. And the reason I say that is because he was utilizing that to create offense in the O-zone. He's not afraid to shoot the puck for one. It was kind of like Wallman where if he got the puck, he'd fire it. But it seemed like Edmondson was much more – precise with his shots, yeah. if you will, trying to make that redirect or ha- just create havoc in front of the net. But one of the plays in particular that I remember, there was a, he had pushed in toward the set, the slot in between the faceoff dots. He made a play, puck got down in the corner, but Toronto is the Toronto game. They were able to kind of get it out very quickly. He was able to get all the way back, yeah. cut off a potential mm-hmm. two on one, which the wings ended up breaking back because of how, for one is his, his speed was incredible but he was able to read it and then take that right angle, but also just use the speed and ability that he had to break that play up. Cause the Toronto, they were a fast team. And for a while it seemed like Detroit was on their heels, but he was just completely unfazed. And if that's something that he can use in this preseason, it's going to, I think it's going to bode pretty well. And he's that's six, it. Six. That's the kind of, yes, he is. And, but that I was just going to say, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about that doesn't find the score sheet, but that, yeah. There's a little spot where the whole entire management staff and all the scouts are sitting. They see that, right? Like yeah, we may yeah. not see it on the score sheet or in a game recap or anything like that, but they see that stuff. And that's what impresses them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we say the same thing. You can mm-hmm. you can watch a game on TV all you want. You're getting 30 second clips at a time. You're not seeing the plays away from the camera. You're not getting every angle. It's little stuff like that. Someone tried to argue with me the other day about Mo Sider. And I'm like, have you ever watched him play? They're like, no, I just look at the stats. And I'm like, okay, yeah. you then you have no you idea. Can't, you can't yeah. compare because he he won the Calder for a reason. He was the best rookie in the league for a reason. And if you don't watch what he does, you don't see the reverse hits. You don't see the spinaways to to stop plays. You don't see the takeaways. 
you you only get points and you only get stats. So you got to watch. And that was the impressive thing with Edvinson is he just he's very slippery out there. He's got the reach because he's so tall. And then his gap control was really good. So I'm curious about this argument, though, because even when you look at most Sider's stats, Sure. They're impressive. Mm-hmm. So where, where was that argument going? I will argue. Was it on Facebook? No, it was not. It was on it Twitter. Was definitely on Facebook. Oh, I will argue. Even better. I argue right now that Moritz Sider is a top 10 defenseman in the league currently. Even if you put him at 10, they were trying to argue that he wasn't better than a couple other people. And uh, no, uh, because they were going on stats alone. And so it doesn't you, even NHL Network, don't they have him at 11 at this point? They have, have him at 11, 11, and I don't agree with it. I think he's at I, 10 I, or 9. So. The fact that he's even getting that sure. recognition Amazing. on NHL Network, like compared to what mm-hmm. we've seen the last several years for Red Wings players in general, to have that now happening. As a rookie. Well, as a rookie. After his yeah. rookie season. Yeah. 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 Um, so we are going to, unless there's anything, any other sleepers from the prospect tournament, anything else you noticed that maybe we didn't? No, I think we got them all. Cool. I think we I do. Wait, I do feel like I have to shout out Amadeus Lombardi. We don't have to stay on it long, but I love <laughs> the kid. I think he's great. And I, I I like the way he plays. Another one of those hardworking guys that just seems to be in the right spaces in the right time to make things happen. I just like him a lot. So I hope that he has a bright future. Ahead of I us. do have one question. What about Ivan, Ivan, Ivan? <laughs> Ivan, Ivan, man. Ivan, Ivan, man. He, <laughs> had a few, he, he had a few moments. He had some good moments during during prospect tournament, of course. And He just seems the, real excited. Yes, very excited to be there. Perhaps the best moment, though, was the bromance. Did you guys see the interview with oh, Dan we, Cleary? Yeah, there is a bromance it. between Simon Edvinson and Cross Hannes confirmed, and I love that. So <laughs> there's another shout out. <laughs> We're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to make a, a T-shirt with Cross Hannes and Simon Edmondson, the bromance shirt. Oh yeah, um, oh, there we yes. go. So before we move on to the Steve Eisman press conference, we are going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for the NFL Week One action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up 7, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by 7 points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So I've been listening to a lot of the Factually podcast with Adam Conover. You might know him from Adam Ruins Everything, and it's been great. One reason it's been great to listen to, because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge, trust me. Raycons give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life and are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. They have three customizable sound profiles, whether you're listening to music or podcasts like us. They have earbud tap functions to start, stop, pause, answer your phone calls, the the earbud functions you need without having to open up your phone and flip through options. And they have noise isolation, which blocks out the outside noise so you can hear what you're listening to a lot better. 
For me personally, I enjoy the awareness mode that lets you hear kind of outside conversations if you're listening to something, but also need to pay attention to what's going on around you. So go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off buyraycon.com slash THPN. And we're back. And as you all know, or maybe you don't, maybe you didn't get to watch it. I had to stop doing work as Ryan did to pay attention and live tweet a press conference. Ryan had a good gift from Schitt's Creek up. It's like, I just can't focus on anything. No, as as soon as as soon as you tweeted that out, Danielle, I was like, well, my day is ruined. Yeah. Well, it was. You know, that this is the part where I say, I, I'm lucky that was work for me today. So. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. My work was non-existent from about yeah. 10-ish till at least 1230. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it wasn't the Sergei Fedorov jersey retirement. And it wasn't. I almost wore that tonight out of yeah. spite. But it was a Steve Eisman press conference, the pre-training camp press conference, where the media got to get all their preseason questions out of the way and get updates on everything and kind of Steve's general takes on the prospect tournament and it was really good there were a lot of questions a lot of really good questions a lot of really good information i think off the top which was one of the kind of tone setting questions eiserman said he is cautiously optimistic that they will be a better team this season and it will translate to more wins because of the moves that were made in the off season that they want to improve on special teams and that the players that they brought in on defense will help There will be a change in play style and guys need to learn to manage the puck and think responsibly. He emphasized a lot of defense when he was talking about Derek Lalone. He emphasized defense and making guys responsible and being on the right side of the puck. So that sounds like a big, a big point going into this season, which it should be because they're like the worst defensive team in the league last season. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, he put a lot of emphasis on getting the goals against average down, which I I want everyone to kind of remember that when we're going into the season, just remembering the Red Wings play in a tough division. They're going to play against really tough teams. Making a playoff run is going to be tough for them to do. But if they're meeting these defensive goals and playing better defensive hockey and you're seeing that goals against average go down, then they're taking a step in the right direction. Am I saying it's impossible? Of course not. We we never know what's going to happen. But I think Eiserman is so adamant on it because that's what he sees as progress for this team, right? So that's what we need to see as progress for this team when we head into the season and we start taking a look at the stat sheets every single night. Yeah, he was asked at the end kind of how do you measure improvement? And that's one of the things he says wins and losses. But there are other statistics improving, like reducing shots against generating more shots and chances. Mm -hmm. Are the special teams better? Are they harder to play against? That's how they're going to measure success. They were asked about a playoff push. He's like, I have no idea. Um, Because it all depends on how everything plays out. But you can measure success not just on wins and losses. But if you do all that other stuff better, it'll translate to more wins. And that's what they want to do. But I think we we even said the most important thing going into this season is be more competitive. No Mm -hmm. more blowouts to Arizona. No more blowouts to Montreal. No more blowouts to Pittsburgh. You can't let that happen this season. And I think getting those defensive guys and bringing them in and getting your matchups better, that's going to help. Right. And looking, I know under Jeff Blaschel, they really like to look at grade A scoring chances and count on that because sometimes a team could have, you know, 40 shots on net, but how many of those shots were actually quality chances? So the way that they measured the grade A scoring chances, I kind of learned throughout the season. So I was keeping track of those. And I'd imagine it's 
pretty similar I'm from team to team, from coaching staff to coaching staff, what areas of the ice you consider a grade eight scoring chance. So I'd imagine that that's going to be a focus too, just making sure that you're not giving up a ton more grade A scoring chances than you are getting or creating during a game. Yeah. 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 It, it was interesting because he almost conceded that the wings and everyone else in the division are chasing Toronto, Tampa, and Florida. And that means the re- everybody else is playing for one, maybe two wildcard spots because he, he highlighted directly that Ottawa, Buffalo, everyone within the division more or less got better. Yeah, but you could argue Detroit. Florida got worse. Well, I mean, you could argue, but you could still argue. That you could also argue Toronto got worse. Yeah, but there's still that's still the tier of that we're fighting toward at the yep. moment. So as long as there's the improvements, I was very intrigued how Iserman mentioned the goals against like yeah. those specific stat line numbers that maybe you wouldn't necessarily see him calling out. He's like, we have to let stop allowing goals basically is, is what it comes down to and playing a better team defense and using what we have and what we brought in to be more competitive. That's been the big thing with alone Iserman compete. The compete level has to be there. And with the, th- the way the changes of the team have come around, maybe that does add more points and we take away points from some Toronto, Tampa or Florida, for instance. So it, it's, it's a hell of a division, but it could yeah. be fun. As Eiserman said, it's a very exciting division. Oh, it right will now. be fun. It, hopefully that's exciting. <laughs> call it us. exciting, but I was like, hmm. He's not that excited. Interesting <laughs> yeah. word. I don't know if I was yeah. excited. But the other thing I would say about defense too, and Coach Derek Lalone now running the team, he talks a lot when you talk to him about his experiences in Tampa, and rightfully so, obviously leading mm-hmm. them to three Stanley Cup finals, winning back-to-back Stanley Cup championships. But everyone remembers the series where they got swept by Columbus. Everyone remembers that. And he will bring that up and say, that Tampa in that moment got away from some of the basic defensive things that they were trying to teach the very, the basic fundamentals that everybody needs to learn to be a successful hockey team. And that's where they started. He said that that's how I built my, you know, section in Tampa. That's how we did it. We got back to the basics and we built from there and we played defensively and we played smart defensively and very simple. Mm-hmm. And then he said when they got away from it, because they had such a good season winning the president's trophy, it felt like they got away from that style of game when they went into the playoffs and they re-went back into it. And hey, then they're back to back Stanley Cup championship or yeah. champions, right? So he's very into the defensive mind, learning how to play very smart defensively when obviously, yes, everybody knows that the Red Wings need to score more goals too. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> evident, but playing smart defensively is going to help you stay in games, right? Yep. And I mean, speaking of Derek Lalone, too, he was asked about Derek Lalone and how kind of his coaching styles are going to change with this team and what he's going to bring. He said he's worked with great players in an effective system in Tampa. He will do it in his own way and use his experience from Tampa to help him. It's one of the one of his greatest assets, though, is his communication skills, not just with the players, but with management, with the staff, with really everyone. He's a very, very good communicator. Uh, and then about team chemistry, the chemistry starts with character, needs guys buying into his program, wanting to be a part of it, and putting the team first, commitment to the team on and off the ice, being all together in Traverse City is a great start for the team, he said. But have you talked to Derek Lalone since that first like week he was hired? I talked to him a little bit more, yes, but it, 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 that's it right there. He takes pride in the fact that he's a great communicator. That's something that he wants to make sure he does. Like Eiserman said, whether that's with Steve himself, the rest of the coaching staff, the players, that's 
his major focus. And he's been communicating with players throughout the summer, been talking to different players throughout the summer. I know he worked closely with Dylan Larkin leading up to training camp, just how they're going to implement things, what they're going to do to run the practices and how they're going to play the red and white game, just working with the leaders on the team to make sure that the message is the same all the way through as they try to implement a new system. I'm honestly very curious to see, because I've only seen a training camp run under Jeff Blaschel and his staff. So to see what it's like under Derek Lalonde, yeah. is there major differences? Is it, you know, is training camp kind of the same thing where we're not, we're not going to see that many differences just in a few practices in the red and white game, but I'm, I'm really not sure. So I'm interested to see if you can notice that from day one or not. Yeah, I think the big thing, too, is that's what really impressed me is Derek Lalone doesn't talk to every guy in the same way. Mm-hmm. He tries to really learn how guys respond, what they respond to, how they need to be talked to. He said, yeah, there are some players that need that pat on the back reassurance. Mm-hmm. And then there are other players that know they need a kick in the ass when they need yeah. it. Yeah. And that's what he's going to do. And I think what that really benefits and and Eiserman had also said it on Philip Zadina is that. Lalone had said Zadina is is maybe a guy who can most benefit from a coaching change, who can most benefit from another voice, knowing how he works, getting into his head, seeing what makes him tick, and then working to that. Iserman said he met with Zadina at the end of the season. He's on the path to becoming a really good NHL player. Uh, says scores measure themselves on production, but there's a lot more to the game. And if you do everything else well, the the production will happen. That he's a hard worker with an excellent attitude. And he's really impressed with where he has come and where he is going. And I think that's huge reassurance. But that is also huge telling everyone to shut up about Philip Zadina finally. Because, I mean, we see it too. Philip Zadina behind Dylan Larkin, I believe, had the best zone entry numbers on the team Mm -hmm. last season. He can protect the puck. His possession numbers were top five in all situations last season. And he's getting those other things tightened up. Maybe he still has a little bit of work to do on defense. But sure, he can score goals and if he shoots from more than the OV office. But Iserman's trying to develop a complete player in Philip Zadina. He knows he has the offensive talent. He knows that it shouldn't be hard for him to hone that in. It's building everything else. And I think that's one thing I think Derek Lalone can really help him with. Yeah, that's it. It's you have to think of this almost like a fresh start for Philip Zadina. He's mm-hmm. learning all of those things. He's improving on all of those things. And now you bring in a new coaching staff. You bring in a new voice, like Steve Eiserman said, somebody that might gel with Philip Zadina better. We don't know that for sure, but just having different voices, learning from different people that can never hurt your game, right? So you're mm-hmm. starting to see the small improvements in Philip Zadina. The big improvements will come. And again, this is this comes with people being impatient. Right. He's 22. Uh, Yes. He's 22 years old. And hockey is a very, very hard sport to master and to get really good at. These players take time to develop. And I don't know, maybe if Steve Eiserman was general manager at the time, Philip Zadino wouldn't have been here as quick as he was. You, You don't know, but he's here and he's getting the experience and it can only help him. As you mentioned, 22 years old and you see the little improvements in his game where he's learning how to play the NHL style. The scoring will come. Yeah, I think he also needs consistency. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I like that he highlighted with him that it wasn't quite the quote, but work at all the little things well and the pucks will start going in. And yep. then he feels mm-hmm. that after having the conversation with Zadina, that he's now past being like looking back on being the sixth overall pick. And now he can just focus on being a hockey player. And we, like Greg, you said, we talked, touched on it quite a bit that he's playing a more 200 foot style game. 
Now, if he starts figuring out those little things and going toward the net or making the extra pass, what have you, that puck's going to start going in the net. We're going to see those point totals go up. And that's where that production piece for a quote unquote goal scorer will start coming around. Tyler. Oh, the other thing I was going to say is like, you know, if we talk about analytics a lot, but the eye test with Philip Zadina last year, like he was snake bitten more than anybody I've seen in a long time. You know, a lot yeah. of posts, a lot of, you know, opportunities to score and they just either get robbed or miss the net. I mean, and, and that goes back to the attention to detail, you know, to do the little things right. And the puck will go in the net and, and, you know, your production will go up and in turn the team will win more. So, I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to for me. And I mean, that kind of stuff, I, I don't want to speak for Philip Zadina and the mentality that goes behind all of this, but that can wear on you mentally oh, yeah. as well. Not only are you, you, you know, you're thinking about it too much. You're, you're overthinking. You're not just playing at that point. So he needs to let the game come to him. He's improved on those little things like we've been talking about. And hopefully one goes in more will start going and he finds his game a little bit more. He feels a little more comfortable with the coaching staff, whatever it may be for Philip Zadina to keep him going in the right direction that he's going right now. But I, I just think everyone gets impatient with him because of the fact that he was a sixth overall pick. But like you mentioned, we're kind of, we're past that now. Right. So yeah, yeah. hopefully everyone settles down a little bit and lets him play. He'll get there. The streaky Johan Franz in effect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's just fun to watch Zadina score, too, because he gets very Oh, excited. yeah, he gets pumped. His excitement is unmatched. It's amazing. Uh, so on to an injury update. Robbie Fabry should Oof. be back sometime around the new year, uh, past January 1st. Mark Pissick, yep. about the same time frame. Jake Wallman, middle of November. And then we learned that Andrew Kopp also had, I'm assuming, was the same core muscle surgery that Dylan Larkin had, some abdominal surgery. Yeah. Uh, he had abdominal surgery first week of the season at the latest uh, which means he will miss camp, he will miss preseason, but he should be ready to go at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I mean, that's just a bummer, right? I, obviously, it it's good that he's ready to go for the season, at least the majority of it, maybe miss a couple of games or a week, whatever it might be. But we were all excited to see what he was going to do at yeah. camp, who he was going to be paired with, what his line, who his line mates were going to be. So that was something we were all looking forward to as Red Wings fans. But um, Ken Cal and I talked about this earlier, not worried about Andrew Kopp. He will he's be back pro. and red. Yeah, he's a yeah. pro. He'll be back. He'll be ready to go as soon as he can be. So again, that's not something I think fans should be super worried about. It just, it's more of just a bummer that we don't get to watch him at camp and during the preseason. Yeah, it's He's the still going to get a hell of ovation on opening night. Oh, yeah. Yes, he will. <laughs> uh, it's, and it's the same thing. Larkin had the, the core muscle surgery, which yeah. is an abdominal surgery, and it's a fairly Was common it the same thing. I, I, I don't know if it's exactly the same. Yeah, Steve I, said I abdominal. It, yeah, it, they gotcha. both had abdominal muscle surgery, so I, I'm assuming it's, it would be the same, but I don't know I don't exactly. know what abdominal muscles are anymore, so. Yeah, I, <laughs> I've got kids. Oh, I'm not a doctor, there somewhere. can't tell you how those surgeries work either. Yeah, Tyler, you're the only one, I think. You and Danielle are the only ones that are allowed to brag about abs. Yeah, you might be able to find your abdominals. <laughs> I, I can't. Two going on three kids, I'm done. Guys, come on. I, I, saw, I saw that Cop was at one of the uh, – I don't know if he was at one of the Michigan game or if he was at the practice, but I saw he was he was talking with uh, J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback from Michigan. It's just like – that's awesome that like you have a Wolverine and you've had, you know, Spartans that, that have played for the wings in the yeah. past. It's just like, it's a great Michigan connection. I love it. Yeah. It's cool. And, and it's if he cool. was there talking, I, I mean, he probably had the surgery a bit ago if he's probably yeah. going to be ready around the start of the season. So totally. yeah. Well, you also know 
you can't talk about Andrew Kopp without talking about the fact that he was one of the best high school quarterbacks in the state, right? Oh. Like he was, he was an awesome high school quarterback. So he probably thoroughly enjoyed that conversation with JJ McCarthy. Oh, right. He's out there giving him tips. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Hey, Hey, on this play, I saw this. And McCarthy's like, on Sebastian Cosa, this was another one that, that Steve kind of opined on. He needs reps. He liked what he saw in the tournament. I think everyone liked what they saw in the tournament of Sebastian Cosa. It's kind of what he needed to go out and do was just shut it down, make some good saves and just play great games. And he did. He's filling out physically and is looking sounder. Uh, he's a tall guy, uh, but Steve said he is getting wider, basically. Steve very carefully, I think, tried not to say thick Thicker. because he said <laughs> thick last time about Simon Edmondson. Um, but he's very encouraged in his two outings on where he will be next season. Iserman said he needs games, needs experience and in a good uh, experience in a good environment. If they're comfortable, Kosa will get into preseason games. Uh, he has not made a decision on where Kosa will be. He's like, could be Grand Rapids, could be Toledo, could be back in juniors. All the options are there. It's just where is he going to get the most playing time while also being challenged. That was mm -hmm. the big thing. So I could yeah. see him as a backup in Grand Rapids. I'm not a super fan of Toledo for development. And I think if you send him back to juniors, I mean, he could just dominate the league. Right. I The only, I, I would say being a backup in Grand Rapids would go against the whole idea of he needs reps, right? That if you're going to send him to Grand Rapids, you want him to be, the, the guy. guy, right? And I don't know if he's quite there yet. I see what you're saying about Toledo. I think maybe leaving that option open is a good thing just because the way the WHL is kind of funny how they work. Like obviously Edmonton just won the championship yep. last year. So they might trade Sebastian Cosa, right? And then if that happens, if they don't know exactly where he would be and where he would be playing, who he would be playing with, not that it would be a bad thing. I don't think there's a team they would say, oh no, we don't want him there or anything like that. But maybe just the uncertain future there would have them put him in Toledo. I don't really know. I think Steve Eiserman again, said a lot, said they like where Sebastian Costa is headed, but I, this is where I wish I could get into his mind because he really did leave every door open yeah. for Costa. The ideal situation would be that he has a lights out preseason and ends up playing a ton in Grand Rapids, right? That's like the yeah. ideal, ideal situation, but he's 19. So that's yeah. the other thing. He's a 19 year old goaltender. So Having the options open, I, I think he wanted that. I think he wanted us to know that there are actually are so many different options for Sebastian Costa on his development. And it obviously is a tough decision for them because it doesn't sound like they have the best idea of what's going to happen for him at the end of the, the preseason. It feels like players are playing younger and younger. I'm not saying that, yeah. that it's impossible that he's in the, you know, that he's in the NHL within the next two or three years. But like, I mean, if he's in Grand Rapids this year as a starter, or like a fringe backup slash starter, like a 1A, 1B situation. I mean, could you see him in the NHL late next year? Yeah, I think Sebastian himself always brings up the example of Spencer Knight. And I mean, yep. he played yep. young, right? So it's hard, possible hard. that, yeah, not saying it's impossible, but there's definitely things that he needs to refine. And when Chris Draper talked about him during the streams, they talked about, crediting him for the fact that they offered up staying in Detroit and he chose to stay in Detroit and yeah. work here at little Caesars arena with our coaches, with the staff, with the other NHL players. He was probably around Alex Nadelkovich a lot. Like they're, they practiced together and he got better clearly when he showed oh, up yeah, to prospect tournament this year. Yeah. He looked good. And Draper said himself, it was the best that he has seen Sebastian Costa play outside of Edmonton. 
So that's, that's great for him. But again, just having all of the different options for him, it, it can't be a bad thing. You just got to see where he slots himself at the end of preseason, which is, it's tough. It's a small sample size. I would think they have an idea of what direction they would want to go in, but we'll see how the preseason goes for him. I hope he gets into some games. I think he will maybe at least one just to see how, how he does in that environment. Yeah. I, I, I go back to what Eisman said today, like number one, he needs to play games and quote, mm-hmm. he needs experience, whether that's Grand Rapids, Toledo, Edmonton, or other, I mean, that's as long as he's playing those meaningful minutes, that's what they're, expectation is for him because the idea is that down the road he's in Detroit and he's a full-time goalie potentially your number one but what I was impressed by the most and we already know that Kosa is very confident and almost has a you don't want to call it an arrogance but he believes in himself Mm -hmm. and his expectation for himself is to go pro this year so again that makes that kind of doesn't necessarily narrow it down but it narrows it down like it's either okay you're going to Toledo or Grand Rapids we know that you're not going to Detroit God bless you, but you're not, that's not going to happen. <laughs> not this <Yeah>. year. <laughs> but it's, then it, then you look at Grand Rapids and they pretty much are going to have to roll with a three headed monster because they're going to have Bratstrom. Is it Okanora? Okanora. So, yep. You see Okanora. They, they got him down there. Oh, they got those two guys already there. Bednash had looked good. Kosa looked good. So now you're trying to go back and forth between those two as well. Kosa wanting to go pro. Now, granted, that's going to be up to Iserman and, and the staff to decide on where that's going to be. But it's it's an uphill battle in a way, and it's maybe this is that one weird year for him that he has to bite the bullet and do what's asked of him, and then come back even better that following year. Yeah. So. Yeah, we think can too, they've got Yeah, they've got they signed John Lethman too, who played yeah, for Michigan State. Right. So there's another goalie that's in the mix, John Lethman. I missed that. Uh, that was a while ago. That was earlier oh. this summer. They signed oh him. Yeah. And so he Grand Rapids signed him, too. So there's that's the whole thing is that you've got a big now list of goalies that are all competing for jobs. And whether that is in the ECHL or the AHL, he's another goaltender that's in the competition. Right. So if he knows how it is. Yeah. Right. So it's um, I think speculating about Sebastian Coast is really tough. Right. Speculating about goaltenders in general is really tough. Ultimately, it's going to be best for his development what he needs to do to get to the NHL on the fastest track. Right. And we have, that's another one. Patience is key. I know he's a 15th overall pick. So people see that and you're like, okay, like he's got to be in the league in the next couple of years, but goaltenders just don't normally work that way. There are exceptions, but that's up to him. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, is he young enough that he, like, even if he played in Toledo or played even in junior, can he play for the world junior team again? Uh, You got to be, under Gosh. 20 by a certain date, uh, 20 or younger so by a certain date. Yeah, so depending is. on when his birthday is. Yeah. Yeah. I found the tweet. Uh, Grand Rapids Griffins on July 2nd signed goaltender John Lethman to a one-year contract. Okay. Really? Wow. Yeah. Um, so that is, again, it's just another name you have to throw in. Uh, he was actually named in 2020 as a finalist for goaltender of the year in Big Ten hockey. So... Mm-hmm. There's now, competition there, too. I will say what's nice is that Grand Rapids can have as many people as they they want, as long as the, as the organization as a whole is under the limit. So it's not necessarily that signing right. this guy is going to keep Kosa out of it. Yeah. But again, so, it's playing time. So yep, it's, it yes. just depends what the pecking order is, I guess, in Grand Rapids when it comes to goaltending. And his birthday 
is November 21st. So I think he'll be 20 on November 21st. Oh, then he should be able to make the cut for World Juniors then. Right. Yeah. Yep. So the other thing that uh, was talked about is kind of the opportunities that are going to present themselves. Like we had talked about, uh, Jake Wallman is going to be out. That could provide an opportunity for Simon Edvinson to really secure a spot in the lineup out of the gate. Uh, Another one, Robbie Fabry. And uh, he's not going to be able to start the season, I don't believe, right? Yeah, no, he's out. Robbie Fabry is, they're expecting after the new year. So he's going to miss a nice chunk of the season. So maybe there's an opportunity there for Jonathan Berggren, who Mm -hmm. Iserman had talked about. He was actually happy that Berggren was brought up. He says he's a candidate to make the roster, hasn't had an outstanding year, was pushed by player development, did a really good job, transitioned his game to being productive on North American ice, He'll get in the preseason. He's an interesting case, and Iserman called him one to follow. So I he he did everything that was asked of him. He broke the Grand Rapids uh, record for rookie points in a season. He looked phenomenal. I mean, he had some Datsuk playmaking out there, uh, and it was just he looked really, really good. And Bergeron is one that I think his ceiling is probably a second line NHL player and a really, really good playmaker. And I think there's an opportunity that he could take with an injury to come in and show what he can do. Yeah, it, it's interesting. The forwards are going to be interesting because you you have to bring up a, a Joe Valeno, right? Like where does he fit into all of this, if at all, right? So you're, you're looking at guys like that. You're looking at Jonathan Berger. And I totally forgot, and I, I said this in a tweet today, about Pontus Anderson. Hopefully I'm yeah, saying that correctly. I said it this morning, yeah. Pontus Andreasen, yeah. Andreasen, there you go. And um, I, I, I actually just when I saw his name on the pro or on the training camp roster, I said, Oh he, I mean, he's going to fight for a spot too. So yeah. uh, it's not a bad thing to have this depth, but it just makes it interesting. These guys are going to be battling for positions. And I think the guys like Joe Valeno, Jonathan Berggren, Ken Cal even mentioned Philip Zadina, just having to go in and battle and earn their minutes, earn their yeah. time, earn their spot mm-hmm. as top six forwards, you know, in it, like we talked about Andrew Cop being injured, obviously helps them hopefully that he's back in time to start the season, but we just don't know. Right. So I think there, there's a lot to be said and with cop, not practicing at training camp and not playing the preseason is somebody going to really pick it up. And then it's going to make the decision even harder. So the forward core in general is going to be very, very interesting to watch this year. You add Dominic Kubelik into the mix, obviously. And there's just a lot of them. So seeing who falls where will be interesting. But I think Jonathan Bergen might be one of the biggest storylines heading into training camp. Just where is he at? Obviously, didn't see him at prospect tournament. So I haven't seen him play in a while. So it'll be interesting to see exactly where he falls. And if he does make it tough on the, the decision to keep him in Grand Rapids or bring him up to Detroit. Yeah, I feel like that's going to be this is one of the most intriguing going into the season like times we've had in a long time. And Bergeron adds to that intrigue because as Eisman mentioned, he's worked really hard and happy with his attitude and determination. And I always go back to that short weekend in Grand Rapids I had this year, watching him play. He seemed like he was at a completely different level than most of the guys on the ice mm-hmm. in Grand Rapids. And it's not like to say he would get bored. He had a record setting season for a rookie out there. So maybe him staying in Grand Rapids for one more season, letting a few more contracts fall off. And then also with the influx of potential skill going to Grand Rapids, that elevates him to an even different level that we weren't already expecting, where 
it might take some ease off of us being maybe upset that he's not in Detroit. Yeah. I think you just get into that gray area, right? Because it kind of feels like that's where Joe Valeno is right now. Yeah. Because when he's yeah. in Grand Rapids, he's absolutely dominating. But when he's in Detroit, I don't even want to say he's struggling because I don't think he was a bad fourth liner for the Red Wings, but he's definitely not quite there yet. Mm. And that it makes that decision really tough. So will that be the case for Jonathan Berger? And I guess time will tell. Yeah, yeah I think it's, he's not a bad fourth liner. But you want him to be more than a fourth liner. More That's than the thing. That. He's not exactly. supposed to That's be a fourth exactly liner. It. Right. Right. That's exactly it. And like I said, gray area, right? Because do you yep. want him dominating or do you want him learning? It, it's tough. It's a tough decision, especially when there are going to be more forwards that are competing for spots this year. If he can stay healthy, you know, and, and he did last year for the most part, he could he could be a key contributor to this wings team, maybe not even right away. Maybe he doesn't make the team right out of camp, but someone goes down in the first two months of the season, he comes up and has a Gus Nyquist effect when, when he came up and people said that they were over, over ripening him. And so, I mean, to me, it's like, if he's ready and he can earn a spot, great. You're not just going to give him a spot. And Steve Eisenman is not going to do that anyhow. So it's it just, it feels like, He's too good for the AHL, and if he really took that next step forward this summer, then he's he's going to make the roster. Yeah, I agree. We would like to hope so. That's what it, it again. This is there's more energy behind this camp, and I can feel it even before oh. it starts. Just with everybody being excited about all the different storylines to follow, who's going to make it? It it's exciting, and that's part of the next process in a rebuilding team, right? Just having all of this excitement, having a little bit of depth, not knowing exactly what your roster is going to look like come opening night. It's going to be fun. Well, even the guys themselves, I mean, it's it's competition. There is clear competition for spots mm-hmm. this season. Uh, there are almost no guaranteed spots, and competition fosters development. It elevates guys' games. It, it makes them learn. It makes them better. And it's something, like you said, depth. We haven't seen depth in years. I mean, and it's and now you've got a guy where you you can say, oh, if this guy goes down, here's the next one up and your team's not going to really be hamstrung by the next guy that comes up, which is a great problem to have. Too many good players is a great problem to have. Steve Eiserman said today you can never have too many good players. And that that's what we're happening. That's what's happening now is asked about Michael Rasmussen. Can Michael Rasmussen expand his role? He said he took significant steps last season, is more mature on and off the ice, worked hard, is determined to improve. There is room for him to move up, and you can never have too many good players. And that's the thing is you're going to see other guys develop. Steve said he wants to get one to two new guys in the lineup this season. But how does that happen? Where do you fit them in? And who's it going to be? So it's going to be very competitive, a very competitive week this next week yeah. for you to watch, Daniela. Is I know, I'm excited. You guys are fighting. Yeah, I'm excited. And I'm also very much on the Michael Rasmussen train. I said this at the beginning of the season, and a lot of people thought I was crazy, but I was right. Yeah, I was right, guys. Pat yourself on oh, the back a little bit. I of, like the shrug right there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, just, <laughs> it's called intuition. You guys should have some of it. Uh, I think we'll end it with this uh, on the overall prospect progress. Iserman thinks we have some prospects that will eventually work their way into the lineup. He mentioned Casper and one of my favorites, Carter Mazur, by name. Mm-hmm. Uh, will continue to hold on to picks. That was another big thing. He is not going to be trading away picks anytime soon. And oh. he said, and continuing to draft well 
And then I think he thought about it and said, well, that sounds a bit smug. And he went back to try to draft well. (laughs) And he says patience is key. Basically, like we had talked about with Simon Edvinson, there's no point in rushing things. We have Mm -hmm. the depth. If something happens, they can move up. We just need to be patient with these prospects. Like people need to be patient with Zadina. Like people needed to be patient with Michael Rasmussen. These guys will develop. They'll get their chances. They'll come up when they're ready to come up. But he sees depth and he sees kind of skill in in the prospects that are in the pipeline. And that there are guys like Casper and Mazer who will eventually make their way into the lineup. Yeah, I think Ken Cal said it best to me when we were doing our little word on Woodward training camp preview. This is still a building year for the Red Wings. They're still in a transitional period, especially with the new coaching staff coming in. So just making sure that we remember that throughout all of this. And they do have a ton of prospects, right? They've had seven or eight, no, nine draft picks last year. And then I think 10 or 11 in the last one, maybe with a trade in there. So there are a lot of prospects in the Red Wing system. And he mentioned that he wants to keep his draft picks. So Good things are coming, but patience is key. All of these players are Mm -hmm. going to take time to develop. They're 18 and 19 years old, some of the guys that we're talking about here. So I'm excited. I think there's a lot to look forward to. And with that being said, there's a lot of prospects. Eiserman made a lot of moves during the offseason. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of new players that are going to step right into this Red Wings lineup that we have to be excited about. Opening night is going to be insane. (laughs) It is. He he made a really interesting point on that, too, with – the young guys coming in, he called out Valino, Zadina, Raz, and a couple mm-hmm. others. But then he also made the point of you don't necessarily need a superstar to win the cup. And he called out St. Louis in particular about yep. that. You can, if you're a good team, you don't have to be great per se, but you just have that balance through your lineup and everyone's working toward that same goal. And it kind of goes to the point of, yeah, it's a new coaching staff getting that compete level up, but they're bringing in those good players whether they're young or some of these veteran guys, mm-hmm. they're going to push each other to be better. And that's for where they're at, at at this stage of the rebuild, if you will. That's all they can ask for. See, I, I think you say that, but then when push comes to shove, like when the wings are ready to win, I think you're going to have one or two superstars, whether it be Good. Cider and Raymond, whether it be Cider yeah. and Edvinson and Larkin, does he take that next step forward at still? Uh, I mean, there's there's endless possibilities. Marco yeah. Casper, maybe. Yeah, good day. There you go. He's looking He's off great. To a great start. Yeah. Yeah. Daniela, thank you for coming on and talking to of us. Course. We love having you on every time. It's so and much fun. An hour passes and it doesn't even feel like it. Right. We're right. going to have to catch a game in Grand Rapids this season, too. We're going to plan a trip to go out there. Yes, I said that because that's the other thing. No matter... Who makes the roster in Detroit? Grand Rapids is going to be stacked. It's so, going to be yes, awesome. Right? We are definitely going to have to go watch some Griffins games. They're, uh, they're already bragging out there way too much. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to have to watch every night. They got ahead of themselves last season, though, because they, they thought did. they yeah. were going to have Lucas Raymond, and they didn't have Lucas Raymond. So they better not say too much about Simon Edvinson, or else he's definitely making <laughs> the team this season. Uh, what do you got going on? What's coming up? Anything interesting in the next uh, week or so besides training camp? Well, we'll have some streams for you guys. So we'll be streaming tomorrow, which is Thursday. So I don't know if you guys know this. We'll be on at 1030 in the morning, confirmed. We will be on for for a little while, just showing practice, seeing what's going on. And then we'll be on for the red and white game on Sunday as well. So we'll have the full broadcast of that. And Art Wagner will be back for the red and white game. And you guys, he has not stopped talking my ear off about how excited (laughs) he is to be back at training camp. So you're definitely going to want to tune into that one. He was super bummed that he got to, he had to miss the uh, prospect tournament. 
He was, he was, he was, I talked to him every day about it. He, he was pretty bummed, but he's still just as excited for the season and he's coming up just for the red and white game. That's how excited he is. So he will be here for that. Awesome. All right, Ryan, final thoughts. No, I, there, there's a lot of excitement. Um, yeah. Seeing the comments today from Eiserman and where he sees the roster, not only now, but kind of in the near future, it, adds a little bit more excitement. I mean, he, he said it several times today that to temper your expectations, and that's not only for the individual players that we've touched on, but also for the team in general, because there could be that learning curve of having a brand new coaching staff coming in to try to revamp what it is that they've been so accustomed to the last several years. So it's be excited, but try not to get too far ahead of ourselves, which is going to be damn hard to do because we see what some of these guys are already kind of bringing out and, like what things have been said and, and this and that. And we like to speculate because we're the fans and that's the easy thing for it's us our to job. do. We, we're in the words of Steve Eiserman, cautiously optimistic, cautiously oh, optimistic, season. right? Yeah. <laughs> so no, it, this is the best time of the year because we're training camp starts is officially starting up. Now we're six days away. Cause it's 21st from a pre-season. actual preseason hockey yeah. game. Against like a week Pittsburgh. away now, right? Right. It's a Thursday, a week away. And nothing oh. terrible has happened yet. That's cool. <laughs> oh, well, don't knock on wood. You better knock. I think you should cut that out. You can leave me saying you should cut that <laughs> out. I said that. Everybody will wonder is, what you said. But... My whole desk is wood. <laughs> Good thing you're wearing the Savior shirt right now. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but no, that's the, I mean, it's it's the most excitement I think we, any of us could have, say we've had going into a training camp in a long time. We are, we're excited, but this is, it's a different excitement. Even Eisenman said it, there's a, a new sense of optimism. It seems like with a lot of these guys that have been here and going through the hell, if you will, and they see what changes have been made and how this could potentially impact them going into the year. So it's fun to t- jump on that and kind of ride the pine, if you will, but also try to, again, temper those expectations. So uh, you can follow me already around 33. Tyler. Yeah. So my final thoughts. Well, first of all, I want to ask Danielle a question about art. Do you get as annoyed with art as these guys do with me when he brings up Michigan stuff? (laughs) Oh, you know, honestly, I just tell art. This is exactly what I say to him when, when he brings it up. And I go, you literally are the typical Michigan asshole. And I just have that to ride on. right? Like I just have that to ride on forever, forever. (laughs) Tyler, I'm surprised you didn't that. say anything about Tim Biaka Batuco when we brought up Jeremy. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I was going to, but I'm like, I'm not going to be that asshole. To just I got a text. That this is was a text message from our runner. Of text. Yeah, he sent me his whole stat line. Told me that he beat OSU single handedly one time. Da, 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 da. Like I had had all the facts. Had all the facts. Amazing. Yeah, great, good times. Good times of being a Michigan fan. I think. Now is a good time to be a Michigan fan too. But anyways, final thoughts on the Red Wings. Um, I have not been as excited for a Red Wing season as I have been for this one in a long time. I'm counting down the days and, and kind of it, it's, it's getting closer and closer. And like Ryan said, it's the best time of year. Um, it, it's, it's going to be a good season. I mean, regardless of whether they make the playoffs or not, if we see improvement and they keep the puck out of the net, I mean, that's really all we can ask for. And then, you know, steps forward from the young guys and, and hell, even a step forward from Dylan Larkin, because he can still give more too. So, but those are my final thoughts. You can follow me on Twitter at seal dog 91. Are you, are you coming to Detroit, Tyler? He's not. 
I'm working on it. Okay, I'm I'm still working on it. All right, I may be. I got my tickets, Ryan. Okay, we're good. I know you're right behind me. Yeah, I'm right behind you. Uh, but you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. You can check out our merch at Redbubble.com by searching the Grindline. We like to give a shout out to uh, Vintage Detroit Collection, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. They're absolutely amazing. And we are going to have some stuff from them pretty soon. Uh, they got their T-shirt press in, so they're actually going to start producing T-shirts for us. And they're going to be going into stores. And we will have actual merch in stores, and I might go look at it and like Oh, faint. I'm totally going. And it'll be, we're going to take yeah. videos and stuff. It'll be pretty awesome. But we're going to be okay. doing some giveaways with them soon. As soon as the final roster is set, we're going yeah. to do a jersey giveaway because I want to make sure someone's on the team before we give away their jersey. I think, and I have like an actual number and know what they're doing. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be pretty cool. Uh, I also like to give a shout out to Howie's Hockey Taper. If you use a promo code Grindline, you get 10% off your order. And if you use that same promo code on Bring Hockey Back, you get 12% off your order. Uh, but that is going to do it for us tonight. So for Tyler and Ryan, again, thank you, Daniela, for hopping on and talking to us. It's a very exciting time, and it should be a good week this next week. Um, but that's going to do it for us tonight. So you stay classy, Hockey Town.